listening to the Forefront Church Podcast in New York City, where our vision is to see lives, neighborhoods, and our city renewed through Jesus. Good morning. I'm Jen Fisher. I'm the associate pastor here at Forefront Brooklyn. And lately I've been doing a lot of reminiscing with friends about how we got connected to Forefront and how long we've been a part of this church community. Over the past few years, I've heard a lot of good stories, random stories too, about how people have gotten plugged into our church. One friend told me how right before he moved to New York City, he Facebook messaged the one person he knew from school who lived here, just taking a shot to see if maybe that person knew someone who, I don't know, needed a roommate or something. And it just so happened that person did know someone who needed a roommate. And so after getting settled into the city for a few months and meeting people around the apartment, kind of getting to know some folks, some good folks who were really cool and fun, my friend started to realize they all knew each other from this church. So he figured, all right, you know, I'm kind of curious. Good people, cool people. Maybe that's a good church, too. And now he's a leader here and a regular volunteer. And then there was another friend of mine who told a story of uh, when she first moved to New York, she was kind of burned out on church, didn't want to come on Sunday mornings. But she did want to be a part of a small group. So she got plugged into a small group at Forefront Manhattan because this was back in the day when Brooklyn was just still a dream. And this small group was hosted by a mother and her son who happened to be really great cooks. And I think we can all agree that the key to anyone's heart is a great meal, right? So all the good food, the good people, this small group became like a second family to my friend. And a few years later, when we were ready to start Forefront Brooklyn, several members of this small group helped us launch this church. And there was a third friend of mine who recently told me um, she got invited in because she's an artist here in the city. And some friends invited her to come check out the guilds. So if you don't know what our guilds are, they are collectives of artists who get together once a month to practice their craft. So whether that's writing or dance or theater, whatever it is, it can be really hard to be an artist in this city. You know, you struggle with a lot. You're kind of on your own a lot. So having a, a group, a supportive group of people who shared her values and supported her as she developed her craft was really meaningful. And there was always kind of this open invitation, but no pressure to check out church on a Sunday morning. Finally, because she felt so loved and supported by the members of this guild, my friend decided to check out church on a Sunday. And now she, too, is a leader and a volunteer. So I can't help but think of my own story with this, because... Uh, I remember back in 2007, when I was a wee little 23-year-old, just got here from the suburbs of Chicago, and I was here for probably about seven days, to the point where I was now needing to go to church, right? So I got on the computer and Googled, like most of us did, and I found Forefront Manhattan. I walked in those doors, and this woman came up to me, and she asked me all those usual questions that we kind of get bored with. Where are you from? What neighborhood do you live in? Hmm, All that stuff, right? But no one had asked me those things in the last eight days. I mean, I felt invisible at that point. At that point, you know, New York had already kicked me in the shins several times, right? (laughs) But this woman asked those questions and made me feel seen, and then she did something even crazier. She invited me to sit next to her. That was it, just sit next to her. And I have never forgotten that, actually. So I want to ask you guys, you know, what was it that brought you into this church? I look around and I see you guys and I think of all the stories and all the different ways that you've been plugged in and it's really fun to reminisce about this stuff. And maybe it wasn't church, maybe it was just God in general. Whose life looked a little different to you? Who was it that kind of caused some curiosity in you? 
that cause you to ask some questions about why that person's life looks different, why they seem to have a light about them. Maybe there's something more to this God thing that I want to check out. Who was that person for you? And if this is your first Sunday, or even if it's not your first Sunday, if you've been here for years and you're still struggling with some of those questions, I want you to know that every Sunday we pray to be the kind of community, to be a group of people who will let you find your way back to God on whatever path or avenue you need to find him on. Because this is what these stories remind me of, right? They remind me that there are all these different ways that Christ is trying to reach out to us, to pull him closer, to pull us closer to him, whether that's through a small group or just a person or worship on a Sunday morning, whatever that might be. But what these stories also remind me is that it's not, it's not just God who's doing that. It's people allowing God to use them, allowing the Holy Spirit to use them, and inviting people into a life that's worth living. You know, I hear all these stories, and I think about how God uses others to evoke curiosity. And I hear about how life-changing it is to be a part of a community of people who are just trying to live with some decent values, to love people, to have some grace, to just find the best life possible in a really hard city. And then I think about celebration generosity and how we've been doing this for six years in the life of our organization, and how there's so many good people who've been plugged into our church because of Celebration Generosity. And the reason why we do this, which, you know, this next Sunday, we're going to give away hopefully over $100,000 between our church and our Manhattan family, um, to three organizations that we believe are doing really great work to renew our world, to bring about the kingdom of God here on earth. And those are Defy Ventures and Nomi Network, and today we're going to really talk about Orchard Group. And the reason why we do this every year is because not only do we value generosity, but we really believe that we are called as a church to be this kind of people, to be people who evoke curiosity and who give generously and who witness for Christ throughout our world. And this is why we're studying the book of Acts. The book of Acts in the New Testament, sometimes people call it the Acts of the Apostles or the Acts of the Early Church, because this is where we see it all begin. And today, here we are in chapter 1 verses 1 through 11, the very beginning of it all. And we're going to look at not only uh, this conversation between the disciples, but we actually watch, between the disciples and Jesus, but we actually watch Jesus ascend into the heavens, rise up into the sky during this passage. But before we get to that, I want us to talk about those really important instructions that he left for his friends, okay? So Jesus tells them, I want you guys to stick around in Jerusalem for just a bit. I want you to bring the, I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit, and I want you to stay here and wait for it. He says this to them, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The gamut of emotion that must have been running through the apostles and while Jesus is saying these words is just incredible. Because remember, we're still in Easter tide here. This is the first 40 days since he's risen from the dead. So this is resurrected body Jesus with his wounds and his you know, ability to eat and walk through doors. All kinds of crazy stuff has been going on. And the disciples are probably having a really hard time wrapping their heads around all of that. Okay, But then he talks about this gift. 
this gift of the Holy Spirit that he's mentioned before, that they still don't quite understand. And now he's talking about baptism, and from their Jewish culture and everything they understand about the prophets, they're thinking, okay, he's telling us that he's going to do what we thought he was going to do all along, right? He's going to establish a government, establish his own kingdom here on earth. We're going to be freed of this oppressive Roman government, and we're going to finally have this kingdom of Israel that we've been dreaming of, right? Eh, Jesus says, "Mm, mm, that's not really the point of this conversation. That's not really what you need to worry about right now. The point of this conversation is that my kingdom is coming. It's just going to be in a different way. What I want to talk about is you being witnesses for me. That's what he's telling them in this, this passage. So what is being a witness? Well, being a witness is testifying to a memory. Christ is saying to them, I want you to remember the people that I love. Remember the people that I included. Remember how I healed and how I loved and how I gave. I want you to remember the power of the Holy Spirit making you a new creation in me. I want you to allow the presence of God to live inside you. And I want you to tell other people about the truths that you've experienced in these days living with me. I want you to love the way I love, to include the way I include. You're going to help me build this kingdom. But it's going to look a little less like a political thing and more like starting a new church. So then he goes on to say some stuff that's not such great news to hear. Okay? He tells them, I want you to start this, and I want you to do it right here in Jerusalem, where we are right now. Okay? And they're thinking, yeah, this is the city where, you know, just a few weeks earlier, they crucified Jesus. But we have the same culture. We have the same ideas. It's a little hot and cold, but for the most part, this is going to be a good place to start. Yeah, we're comfortable here. We can do that. Okay. And then he goes on to tell them, then I want you to go to all of Judea. And that's like saying, start here in Brooklyn, but then I want you to go to the whole metro area. So I want you to go further into Jersey. And you might be thinking, "Mm, Jersey? Mm." I mean, we're mostly like them. We enjoy a lot of the same craft beers, but, you know, we have a mostly similar language. Okay, yeah, all right, we can do Jersey. Sure, we can do that. And then he tells them, then I want you to go to Samaria. And they're like, ooh, Samaria. That's, mm, no thanks. I mean, Jesus, don't you remember Samaria? Don't you remember what the Samaritans did to us? How they distorted our scripture with their pagan gods and they mixed with our people and they created this dirty race? We don't associate with them. In fact, when we go to Galilee, we actually cross over the Jordan River just so we don't have to go through Samaria. We do everything we can not to associate with them. So, ah, I don't know about Samaria, Jesus. But then I would imagine he'd say something to them like, do you remember when I talked to that woman at the, at the well, that Samaritan woman at the well? Do you remember how I opened the kingdom to her? How I talked to her about how my throne would be higher than any government on this earth? I end that conflict that you have with the Samaritans. When you believe in me, you believe in peace. I want you to go be men of peace. I want you to love those Samaritans so well that you shift the culture that people start to ask questions about why you're doing that, why you're loving so generously, so well. That's who I'm calling you to be. I want people to know who I am because of the way that you love. And then, you better get used to it because I don't want you to stop at Samaria. I want you to go all the way to the ends of the earth. And at this time, the disciples understood the ends of the earth to mean 
everything that's ruled by the Roman Empire. So he's telling them, I want you to go to the heart of it all, to the ground zero of it all, to, to Rome, where you are hated more than anything else. So yeah, these are some pretty intense words that he's saying to them. You know, he's telling them, I want you to start here where it's easy, but I want you to keep loving people so well that you don't stop and that you get others to join you in all of this. And I want you to, to love and witness to me in ways that people have never heard of before. And I want you to, to go to people who are your enemies, people who don't even like, the, like you or people that you don't even like, that you don't share the same values with, that you wouldn't associate with. So who are those people for you guys? Who are those people? You know, because Christ is calling you to love Democrats, Republicans, Tea Partiers even. He's calling us to, to love the people that, that we're not familiar with or we don't understand. Gay, straight, black, white, all of it. He's calling us to even love those people who annoy us the most. Like that guy on the train who clips his nails. It's so disgusting, right? Even that guy. Or the neighbor whose dog barks at all hours of the day and you just want to get your work done, right? Even that guy. So who is that person for you? That's who Christ is calling us to love. And he, and he doesn't stop there, right? This is why we want to support really courageous people like the men and women who work for Nomi Network or for Defy Ventures because we believe Christ is telling us, go and love the women in India and Cambodia. Go and love on those women who have only known darkness through their lives and who need my light more than anything. And go and love in the prisons and the courts Go and show people that there is a different path that they can walk down and be the kind of people who will walk with them as you all figure it out together. And go to Philly and Boston and Harlem and more and start churches and be the kind of people who invite others into small groups and into your, meal, into your home for meals. Do those things. That's what I'm calling you to, you to do. Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. And he's saying it in one sentence, basically. <laughs> And before the apostles have any opportunity to question him or to protest, he's taken up in this cloud, right, into heaven and gone before their eyes. And they're all just kind of standing there like, oh, their jaws dropped. Like so long that these angels have to come down and say, hey, why are you standing there? Why are you standing there? As if that's a question. Of course, I would be standing there too. That's crazy. But get to work. That's what they tell that's what the angels tell them. Get to work. You got your instructions. Now get to work. Get to work. Well, we're going to see now in the next chapter, chapter 2, we're going to talk about this at Pentecost, how the Holy Spirit comes, and pretty quickly, about 10 days later. But then we're going to move forward into chapter 8, where the disciples are still in Jerusalem, still hanging out with the people who are culturally just like them. And why? Why are they still there? Well, because it's easier, right? It's easier to love the people who are just like us. It's easier to stay within our comfort zone. It's easier to sit with the same clique, the same people we've sat next to since we walked through these doors two years ago than it is to invite someone new to sit next to us. But where does that get us? How does that look anything like what Christ called us to do in this passage? I think we need to be reminded of this mission, of what he's calling us to in this chapter, because we tend to identify a bit too much sometimes with the disciples in this scenario. It's just easier for us to stay in our comfort zones, right? In our own version of Jerusalem. Easier to do that than to give courageously, to love extravagantly like he's calling us to. 
You know what it was that finally got the disciples to get to work, to carry out this mission to Judea and Samaria? Uh, Well, Jerusalem turned on them. There was this great persecution, and so basically it was the threat of death that got them to finally get up and start doing this. The catalyst for this worldwide movement is actually a guy named Paul. And I asked Sean to put up a map here of Paul's route, because he's the guy who takes us all the way into the center of it all. He's the guy who we end up in Rome with at the end of the book of Acts. Paul, this guy who was a former murderer and a fundamentalist who killed believers, but then one day he is blinded by the Holy Spirit, and he realizes that he is a new creation in Christ. And he does incredible things to help spread the church. And the disciples join him. They get there too. We've got a map of how they finally get into uh, Judea and Samaria and how this whole movement starts to begin. And it's pretty incredible because it's because of Paul and these disciples who were courageous and who went out and witnessed for Christ and who loved people so well. These are the reasons that we have scripture and letters and, um, you know, church on Sunday mornings. This is why we have these things passed down to us through generations. And this is why we get awkward Facebook messages and we send them or we invite people into our homes for small group or we join guilds because this is that movement continuing on into our world. And I think about how it's still a challenge for us, right? It's still a challenge to witness for Christ in our culture. It's really hard to be a Christian here in this city, to tell people that you believe in Jesus when you know that they might judge you or they might ask questions that you really just don't know how to answer yet. I mean, I still get butterflies in my stomach when people ask me, what do you do for a living? I'm like, i got to tell them I work for a church. So I totally get it. It's really hard. But I can't help but ask, are we too comfortable in our own version of Jerusalem? How does our holding back, our stinginess, how does that help anyone? How does sticking to our same old circle, our same old routines, our same old giving patterns, how does that How does that show us following what Christ called us to do? Did he call you to to stick in the same old place, or did he call you to be courageous? And what would that look like in your life today? What would it look like for you to, to be a little more courageous in how you follow Christ? To give a little more, to love a little more, to push yourself outside of your comfort zone just a little bit more. This is why we do Celebration Generosity, to push ourselves, to look at our finances, to realize that maybe we need to be pushed a little, to witness for Christ and how we give and how we spend our money, how we love other people. I think about this modern-day movement that we're a part of, this Orchard Group Network, and I'm so excited to be a part of this. You know, you saw Jonathan talk about this movement thats it has been going on for, well, Lisa's how old he is, you know. So <laughs> it's been going on for a while, and we get to be a part of this. We get to help start churches in Inwood, in Harlem. In fact, here in Brooklyn, we were recipients of Celebration Generosity just a few years ago. Our Manhattan family gave us $40,000, and this is the reason why we're sitting here. I think about how Christ is going to move through the people in Philadelphia, about the small groups they'll start, and the baptisms, and the baby dedications, and the meals, and all of that great stuff that keeps going. And I think about these huge displays of generosity that we have within this network, and I want to tell you about uh, another church and orchard group called Foundry Church in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm really excited about what they did this past December. They started a Christmas store in a neighborhood, kind of like East New York, it's a 
something like that. It's a low-income, struggling neighborhood. Um, and they got donations of brand-new toys from all across the country. And they sold them on Saturdays in December for 2 3 $5. And these are, like, these are good toys, like brand-new Frozen dolls, like the legit stuff, right? And they sold them to these parents who can't otherwise afford to provide Christmas for their kids. So rather than having a charity come in and, and, you know, be the hero on Christmas morning, instead, dignity was restored to these broken-down parents. There was one mom who said this was the first time in five years that she could afford to buy presents for her kids and give her kids a Christmas. Dignity is restored when that mother gets to see that kid's face light up and know that her triple overtime hard work is what got it there, and she just needed a partner to make that happen. That, to me, is bringing the kingdom of God to this earth. That, to me, is loving courageously and giving generously and witnessing to Christ. So in just a moment, I want to invite up our very dear friend, Risa Storms, who we jokingly call the Queen of Orchard Group. But (laughs) she's actually the Director of Communications. She does so much more than that. Um, I'm going to invite her up here to tell you guys a little bit more about Orchard Group and Restoration Church. But I just want you guys to continue to pray this week. I want you to, you know, ask, how is the Spirit moving in my life? How can I be a part of this? How can I witness? And how I give? Who can I invite to the gala on Thursday night? How can I participate in this in a bigger way? How can I push myself outside of my comfort zone this week? I invite you guys to step in with us, to have the courage to go, the courage to give, just as we were called to. So before Risa comes up here, I want to invite you guys to check out this video. Video. Video.